Blog Talk Radio.
Okay, enough of the reverberation. I, you know, it's weird. Okay, so full gear is not only I mentioned the main event. I'm sorry, folks. Moxley versus Omega in a singles match. Jericho versus Cody the Young Bucks versus Santana and Cruz. So those are three matches thus far. That ah, it says my clock is ahead. How dare my computer do this to moi? Heavy.com. Ah, here we are. Finally, a worthy opponent. Okay. Of course, the first picture that pops up is Moxley versus Omega because they know it's going to be one hell of a match. I don't know. Last night on Dynamite, by far, is probably one of the, you know, interesting things that Darby Allen can do with his hands taped behind his back. He can do moonsaults, folks. He can pin you. can get over to the cover fairly quickly. I haven't covered much of Dynamite, and I apologize, folks, because my busy schedule of reviewing World Wrestling Entertainment has kind of preceded that. So, mainly the main matches of Marco Stunt and Jungle Boy Jack, although know, that's uh, Luke Perry's son. Albeit, there's three matches on this card. Jericho is probably going to, I don't know, there might, I don't. I don't fucking know, but there's only... Wow, only three matches listed so far. AEW Full Gear, Tickets Match Card, getting betting odds. There's even betting odds on AEW. So the three matches that have listed so far. From what I've seen from Santana and Ramirez, they are representation of Puerto Rico, Cool Beans. Um, You know, it's been a while since they... uh, PRs had some representation, you know, full-on instead of just colognes. So, just saying. Wow, it's not even mentioning one iota of their matches on this website. So, Fightful.com, you fail. says, Full Gear, November 9th, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Oy vey. They own the very first match that headlines. I mean, you should go to the website itself, folks. I'm sorry, I'm betting around the bush. John Moxley versus Kenny Omega match. Rescheduled, blah, blah, blah. It was a tag team match. Tag team match with him. Kenny Omega and Hangman Page versus Moxley and the partner he walked out on, Pac. Not Pac. Sorry. JR. I know it spells out P-A-C in the pronunciation guide. should say, if you ever, you know, read Tupac Shakur, it's Pac. We're going to argue on that. Not really. But that tag match was so insane. Uh, Pac was bleeding quite profusely. He tried to pick up the broom that had barbed wire wrapped around it. I mean, it could have cut off his finger, but some of you are like, oh, what a sissy pants, and you never watch death matches? Look. I've watched CZW, and back in the day, I would, not shitting you, since we lived out east, we went to the old ECW arena, way back yonder before all the bullshit went down in 2000, and I'm not going to get full in depth, but some know better than I what happened, so I'm going to leave it at, before ECW died, I saw 
pretty much a lot of extreme. I've seen New Japan death matches. I've seen the matches that'll make you cringe. Where Mick Foley's hands look so bad, they had to pour a certain kind of substance on it to make sure that his hands, you know, could move because of his matches with Terry Funk and various other names that I cannot pronounce. But I'm getting off subject here. I'm going to finally review AEW's Dynamite. I'm not just reading off the card. From what I've seen, folks, in the last few weeks that AEW's been around, it's only been around since October the 2nd. So let's see, one, two, and two weeks that AEW has procured an appearance in professional wrestling. Yes, it's interesting, but there's some things I need to point out. Like, for example, <clears throat> Marco Stunt. Some of these guys don't look like workers. They look like guys that they pulled off the street. And at his height, should he be doing some of the things that he's doing to other guys? I mean, Rey Mysterio is Rey Mysterio. But, I mean, come on, Pentagon Black, Phoenix, beat the ever-living daylights out of them in that match. And again, we're going to pause for 10 seconds for station identification as soon as I get my bearings. All right, folks, bear with me, folks, bear with me. We're going to go a little old school on this pause for station identification on Off the Rails Uncensored, all right? Tag Team Championship Tournament Match SCU Beat Best Friend Names are a bit, you know, whatever But it works, Lucha Brothers attacked SCU before the match even started Christopher Daniels You know, hit a package Pile driver on the ramp, so it gave you Some Freaking excitement in the beginning of the match Scorpio Sky My gosh, dude that dude had the crowd popping, like, you know, kernels of popcorn and a hot popcorn maker. I'm t- I don't have great analogies like Jim Ross, but you know what? Give credit where credit's due is a damn decent match. Santana and Ortiz beat John Silver and Alex Reynolds. Okay, well, <laughs> I think this is the, yeah, this is correct. 
Chris Jericho. So they're putting their card together, folks, as we speak. So AEW's women's championship match, Riho versus the doctor, Britt Baker. So I don't, you know, there's a lot of flack for a 90-pound champion versus someone who outweighs her by, I can't say women's weight, I don't want to die, but someone who is obviously bigger than her. Not the captain, obvious, man. There's got to be a different contrast in the audience, but okay. AEW Women's Championship match was <laughs> whatever. They have a lot of roster to rotate and a lot of women on that roster that have not been showcased yet, which I don't know why. Maybe they were in dark matches. AEW Tag Team Championship Tournament match. Lucha Brothers defeated Jurassic Express, Marco Stunt, who subbed in for the uh, injured Luchasaurus. Another package pile driver, folks, with a double stomp combo, which... That match was insane. I'll tell you, because Pentagon Black, let me just put it to you like this. Pentagon Black is someone you don't want to fuck with. And Aubrey, the referee Aubrey, whatever her name is, gets in the face of Pentagon Black. And that was probably by far one of the weirdest stare-downs I've ever seen in my life. But you know what? Hey, Kenny Omega and Hangman Page... As I just discussed, beat Moxley and Pac, got walked out on by his own partner because he wanted to go toe to toe, you know, with a barbed wire, so they teased it. Pretty much, you know, folks, I'm just going to say it. If you think I can't find anything to say about AEW in a positive light, you're wrong. I mean, there's some good and some bad. But, you know, the tease was okay of Moxley and Omega. However, wrapping barbed wire around the fucking broom, unless you know where to put your hands, your fingers or something's going to get cut off because Pac was bleeding like fucking crazy. You know, he grabbed it from... He blindsides Omega, takes the uh, baseball bat wrapping barbed wire out of Moxley's hand, and Moxley beats the fuck out of Pac. Some may say, look, a fresh, you know, reason to fall in love with wrestling again, as my friend Ellie pointed out. I'm still debating on whether or not they're very similar to WCW. In some regards, like name-wise, Nitro, Dynamite, Hangman Page, Diamond Dallas Page. Jericho's kind of like Hogan, except for he's not bald yet. You know, great, you know, storyteller he is, but just going to point out, you know, the main event, the Philadelphia street fight between Darby Allen and Chris Jericho. Um, there's some impressive things that I've seen Darby Allen do with handcuffs, uh, rope tied around his arms, duct tape. This kid is insane. You know, the saying, do not try this at home, is not shitting all over Darby Allen and Jericho's match, but come on, a dude who weighs a buck 61, there's no doubt about his talent, uh, or his heart, or his desire. However, uh, you know, there's 
there's certain things about Darby Allen and there's certain things about Jericho that I'd like to point out. One, they both tell the story. Two, it took, you know, thankful interference by Hager to create the mood that Jericho is your true bad guy. And there's a stamp on that with Hager's fist to the face. Shivani is his dialogue, you know, as a commentator during that match. Reminds me of WCW. It's almost how, how you're asking. Okay. Well, has a yawn. Not because of AEW, but because, let me just point out, this review is, like, kind of new for me, and now that I have, let's see here, Monday Night Raw and AEW Dynamite and NXT to review, it must be fair, I mean, two guys that made impact on NXT, Matt Riddle and Damian Priest, Monster Factory grads, I guess say, you know what? I must say, as I'm going through this list of NXT, I'll get back to AEW, don't worry. As I'm going through this list of NXT matches versus AEW, I love flipping back and forth, folks. Do you know why? Because it gives me the sense of, well, holy shit. Now I have to report both sides and... Try to be fair to both sides, but bluntly honest. AEW, to some people, looks like fill in the blanks. Oh, wait. It looks like WCW. How? The way the ring is set up, the cable ropes, um, the Monday Night War set, it's very similar with you know a few modern touches of social media. Besides that, let me get on to a great end tonight for AEW, but now I've got to switch gears, folks, and go directly to NXT. And um, all i got to say is now, I've done, you know, pause for station identification like twice. I'm not going to do the third time kind of. On, but you know what? I'm not going to pause while I look it up because I saw most of NXT on USA Network while I flipped back and forth to USA, which is why I have this shit on DVR. So, matches that stood out to me Keith Lee and Donovan Dijakovic, there were so many. <clears throat> Moments where it makes you think, Jesus Christ. Very, very interesting. But now Roderick Strong has to face both Keith Lee and Donovan Dijakovic in a triple threat match, which he may or may not win, thanks to the uh, NXT general manager, William Regal. I think I, I like this flow of wrestling, you know, on both sides. Although WWE is more uniform and has structure uh, production-wise, 
AEW will get there. Trust me, they'll figure it out. Some, you know, they'll figure it out sooner down the road. I'm probably gonna get a lot of flack for that statement, but as far as you know, them starting out and being very, and it's just, it's so fucking similar to WCW. But the only odd irony is the two voices of the Monday Night Wars are together on the commentary team. But I digress. I'm gonna cover this shit. As best I know how. And you know what? I believe Danny Cage said in a statement, you know, there's a few subtle differences between both companies, both obviously creating work for more workers. But, you know, WWE's NXT has been doing this a little bit longer than AEW. They they have had less views. But he said, you know, it's good for business when there's competing companies. He's right. He's 100% right. So, while I dawdle and find the results to NXT, I did watch some of the folks. I did see that Io Shirai was victorious. I did see that Rhea Ripley came after Io Shirai after Io called Rhea out. A lot of people are calling Rhea Ripley out. So, and I got to say, I have to say Okay So Tommaso Ciampa Beat Angel Garza Ciampa attacked Garza Blah 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 Imperium This match Great tag team psychology, even though even though Imperium won, there's certain things that stood out to me in NXT as well, folks. Believe me, I flipped back and forth between channels, but Fabian Eichner, who used to be a part of 205 Live, gained muscle. And in that match, he did a, you know, double, you know, I forget what it was, but the moonsault stood out to me. I don't want to call the move name wrong, but Springboard moonsault, there it is. That springboard moonsault caught my attention because sometimes I do like flippy, flippy shit, believe it or not. And uh, Imperium looks impressive. I hope and pray that they put Imperium versus Undisputed because it'd be interesting. NXT UK versus uh, basically NXT stateside. And why am I going off tangent, folks? Okay, Io Shirai defeated... uh, Caden Carter. That match had a lot of, you know, interesting moments at the beginning of the match when Caden Carter and Io Shirai were doing a standoff, you know, doing the flippy, flippy shit. Anyways. Okay, so then it flips to Boa doing a promo in Chinese about Killian Dane beating the fuck out of him prior week before. William Regal said that Velveteen would not be cleared figure for his match next week against Roderick Strong. So then Keith Lee versus Donovan Dykojevic. This match was like Godzilla versus King Kong. Had it gone any longer, my pick would have been Keith Lee, although I could have been proven wrong. But Roderick Strong comes out and interferes. William Regal says, you think you're brilliant, sunshine. And then 
you know, a match for the North American Championship, the NXT, let me be specific, the North American, NXT North American Championship, is to be decided next week on NXT on the USA Network. If you don't have cable, get Hulu TV. Maybe a little bit slow, but they do have Hulu Replay, so you can catch it the very next day if you didn't catch it the night before. Also, you know if AEW has you know, Hulu capabilities, but I'll do my research later, folks. Have to keep it moving. Matt Riddle versus Bronson Reed. That was a, you know what? Bronson Reed reminds me of a Samoa Joe just a little bit. The Australian Samoa Joe. Mm-hmm. Tegan Knox, uh, she and her return after having those nasty knee surgeries. She beat her in her return. She beat Tynora. Although I think Tynora should go back to Tynora Conch, but that's a different story. Okay, so Shayna Baszler came out and basically confronted Tegan Knox. And then Jim Ballard comes out and cuts from Howie Hart, Killian Dane. You know, both started out pretty good, but then hmm, got washed away. Killian Dane, that is insane. Dude who just basically does off-the-wall offense, you know, like crossbodies on the outside. Basically attacked the uh, injured ribs of Boa during the match, did an abdominal stretch, and then, let's see, Dane had a standoff with Pete Dunne. That's pretty interesting. So, Damian Priest beat Pete Dunn from a low blow. And even though, yes, the referee couldn't see it, that's the brilliance of it. So, anyhow, folks, to sum up watching both, NXT and AEW. I'm gonna try and be fair, but also, like I said, I'm gonna also not. I'm gonna be honest. NXT has structure, and they actually have guys and gals that may not be, you know, bigger than five nine. Some of them, because some of these guys with lifts in their boots are five eight. Kyle O'Reilly, Bobby Fish, Roderick Strong. What does that have to do with looking like workers? If you look at the comparison and contrast, there are certain workers, and let's get to be into the specifics. Dustin, Jack Hager, or Jake Hager, Jericho, there's a reason why he's wearing a shirt. It's, you know, he's a big name. And what can what can any of us say about being in shape or looking like a worker? Well, um, after seeing how many people that AEW put out, private party, I'm going to say look like the Street Profits. No, because Street Profits actually, well, Montez Ford, and his tag team partner, they look like professionals. 
not that to say that private party doesn't have skills, but let's compare and contrast. Both amp up the crowd. One pair looks like workers. The other one looks like they just pulled you off the street. Say, well, on the level, okay, so on the level, I really don't think that the Young Bucks should have lost that match. And then some people say the reason why they did it is to get rid of the predictability factor. Once you run out of playing the wild card and playing the underdog, uh, the undercard favor on the card, whatever works, because crowds, you know, they're tired of seeing predictability. These are the same people that bitch about, I can't believe they had a disqualification inside home. So I'm not going to lie, I was mad about that too, but we're going to touch on that later on during the show. Well, Halfway through. Go fucking figure it off the rails uncensored and it's new time. I figure, you know, let's let's talk realism, shall we? We know the main roster isn't doing as well as NXT. And that's because even with you know, undisputed Baszler, Bianca Belair, now Pete Dunn, the fusing the fusion of NXT stateside and NXT UK. There's, you know, there's going to be holes in the foundation that people notice as far as numbers go. So I like to, you know, personally look up again. WWE NXT ratings. This week, AEW Dynamite obliterates WWE NXT again, maintains 1 million viewers. Okay, that's because, uh, let's see here, let me just see what the numbers are. So, AEW remained atop the Wednesday Night Wars, easily outdrawing NXT with 1.014 million viewers, essentially flat with last week's number of 1 million Yes, dang it I'm going to pull up this here Ah, here we are WWE draft episode The writing on the wall is beginning to suggest that, 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 that. 1.179 million On September 18th and declined Each of its Five Weeks on the USA Network So, so WWE NXT's viewership has now fallen almost 40% from its premier viewership of 1.179 million as AEW's Dynamite War with WWE NXT continued to take form in week two. The conversation quickly began to veer from AEW's dominance over NXT forward, thinking mainstream popularity of pro wrestling as a whole. Okay. And this is according to Forbes.com. Fueled by Friday Night SmackDown losing almost 1 million viewers for its WWE draft episode, the writing on the wall is beginning and suggests that national pro wrestling promotions will continue to fight for viewers among a limited wrestling audience. Back-to-back weeks of over 1 million viewers is great and all, but AEW in week two also a sizable 28% drop-off of almost 400,000 viewers. 
most of whom, if not, were likely casual and curious fans looking to sample the product. With AEW now settling into a comfort zone at around 1 million viewers, it's beginning to look like AEW's weekly victories over NXT are closer to a moral victory within the confines of the wrestling industry. In fact, it seems increasingly unlikely that this particular company will yeah, will coinciding with another golden age for the sport in terms of viewership. As has been the case with pro wrestling post attitude era, the further we get away from Dynamite's heavy yeah, heavily promoted season premiere with garnered which garnered one point four zero nine million viewers, the more the national wrestling audience shows hardcore rather than mainstream. After three sold-out shows in front of Hot okay, the promotion next travels to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania on October 23rd, the Peterson Event Center, the first venue not to sell out on the first day of sales. And as AEW Dynamite continues to find its footing, what it looks like to be one million viewer threshold on Wednesday nights with NXT continuing to fall, it'll be interesting to see even how just long the fascinating night of wrestling can support two products with mainstream backing that define the Monday Night Wars. <laughs> That's cute. Now, the next bit of content, allow me to just put it into perspective for you, is full of explicit content. For mature audiences only. And if you don't like what the fuck I'm talking about, it's about to pick up. So, don't turn your dial, ladies and gents, because off the rails uncensored. It's about to, um, well, before I get into that, off the rails uncensored is a copyrighted podcast show. Inception was March 7, 2016. Any reproduction or likeness thereof, the title of Off the Rails Uncensored, you will, it will be punishable by law and prosecuted in fullest extent in the court of law. For any more information, visit the disclaimer on Facebook that states that my show is copyrighted. And in doing so, of reproduction, any reproduction of my show, you will be prosecuted to the full system of the law with a $45 fine for the likeness, with production of the likeness of the title Off the Rails Uncensored. So, without further ado, folks, buckle up your fucking seatbelts and jump into my head. Enter if you dare. Enter at your own risk. Enough of the fucking semantics. Let's get this fucking verbal party started, shall we? To get... Look in my <laughs> Gotcha. Oh, wait. Too soon? Anyways, <clears throat> I do not own the rights to the Glasgow Cross theme used by Nikki Cross. All rights preserved. Jim Johnson, 2019 WWE CFO. Now. Let's hit the music, shall we? Dig it. (laughs) 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 
just read to you from Forbes.com that AEW is beating NXT, obviously in ratings. And some of you may believe that I'm pro-WWE based off the podcast that you have listened to. No. No, I'm not. Because fans have been looking for something new to come along. So they'll just take their sweet little time at looking at what's out there. Right? So, that being said, if you lose one million viewers during a draft, someone may say, well, if you can't do it better, then why are you saying anything? I've looked at what WWE is doing, and, you know, Bischoff asked for his release. There's some controversy about to come fold? No. Maybe. So, I don't know. I don't do back office fucking politics anymore. What I will tell you folks is, Jesus Christ, there, it takes a lot of patience to watch Monday Night Raw, which should ultimately go down to two hours. Also, if there's a problem in the back area, there's a few names that pop out, stand out. But I'm not going to waste my time pointing out the specific problems. Although, actually, why beat around the bush? And just come out and bluntly say it. Dana Warrior is a problem. Michael Hayes is a problem. I mean, if you look at WWE's production rate of ratings, it went up. It went up a full million just by inviting someone from the Attitude Era, The Rock. SmackDown Live was fine. Up, you know, things change. Cards subject to change is not why most fans are complaining. Fans are complaining because not only the hell in the cell is old, but there's got to be a fresh face for the fans to see as champion. And when you constantly produce Seth Rollins, because, well, the bandwagoning fucks that sit in that audience, burn it down. There's nothing wrong with the bandwagoning fucks in some regards. There is, however, a problem when you present your product with the same champion literally every other turn you see, it's Seth Rollins in the forefront, you know, getting the championship gold. Never once, you know, did you see Finn Balor or Samoa Joe or Sami Zayn or anybody else from NXT gain a championship opportunity. Maybe, you know, once or twice with Sami Zayn, but then some people say, well, they're burying people. I hate using that fucking term because that's not what I like to use when I'm talking about something. So change the playbook or not change it at all. You're telling me that you don't want to compete with AEW and do the unexpected right along with them because that's not your company motto. Sometimes you have to take chances in order to move forward in life. So what if you're behind in debt? 
so what if, you know, sometimes, you know, you get into a few bad patches in your life. You have to fucking take a chance because one of those chances might actually fucking pay off. And you won't be in a shit storm. I don't understand why we as fans have to put up with, you know, oh, we've been through this dance before. We'll just wait them out. That might be true. It might be because AEW is the new shiny toy that looks real pretty and it's nice and shined up. It's not mainstream. And all the smarks are fucking watching this going, Jesus Christ, we actually have hardcore. OMG, they never do this in WWE. That's because the one time they did do it, soccer moms bitched up a storm and said, well, this is supposed to be kid-friendly. I want to bang my head on the wall, folks, but I'm holding my phone in my hand. The reason for all these fucking changes, like, even Bray Wyatt was a good sport about losing a hell in a film. People are still bitching about that. Well, come on. You push him all this time, and nobody remotely was cheering Seth in the last, Monday Night Raw, and some people say, fake news, you know, whatever, reports false. As a fan, I would ask that you please quit trying to pull strings, and if you're going to change up the plays and the playbook for your product to be successful against, you know, a new company like AEW who's been around longer than just October the 2nd, that's not their first, that's not their first go-around, folks. It's actually more or less their second year, you know, they had a first event and everyone's like, oh, we got to see AEW. Omega, got to give credit where credit's due. Am I mad? You know, the reason why I'm upset is because let's put into specifics what makes people upset. Bailey is not a convincing heel at all. At all. I mean, even when she tries, she just does not come through. You know, like, from my perspective, they're like, oh, well, her stabbing the Bailey buddies, that was the end of her fucking baby face when she dyed her hair, you know, a darker black. She's wearing different colors. It's not so much what you wear. It's what fans, it's how fans fucking perceive you. Becky was more of a badass. Do you know why? It took some work. It definitely took some work for Becky because, dear Lord, Acknowledging the crowd as a fucking heel on the East Coast is a death wish as a wrestler. And she did it post Monday night, or po- yeah, post SmackDown Live when she said, You people didn't believe me, the same people cheering me now. It's like, great. A lot of people can go over the fact that whoever trains, you know, where they train is how they're going to be perceived. Well, again, Either you change the playbook or you don't. And if you don't change any of the plays at all in professional wrestling, my point is certain fans will not stick around long enough to keep continuously watching the bullshit and they will turn the channel to something else. It doesn't have to be just AEW. Because (laughs) there's Ring of Honor, there's New Japan, there's people that stick to what they know. It's called, you know, wrestling fan routine. 
I like this because it makes me happy. I like this because I love violence. I love death matches because it makes me feel like, holy fuck, I just saw something wonderful. Told a fucking story in a sadistic way. It's been a minute since I, you know, okay, you want specifics on how to change the playbook. Instead of making the 24-7 championship, the title basically where all you have to do is drop to your ass, do a schoolboy, and one, two, three the fucker, and voila, you're the 24-7 champion. It's funny, but it's also kind of an egg to the face of our truth. Ooh, you know, he's a great competitor, and he's like, I'll take whatever role people give me. I'll serve this company as best as serve can be. Man should have gotten a championship shot. Well, if he gets one, people are going to be like, wow, he all of a sudden became a serious wrestler. It's stuff like that that irks me because, folks, when you realize after watching some of the shit that goes down in WWE, you're like, man, why, you know, why do I continuously watch it? And they've lost a lot of subscribers. I could go back on Forbes.com, but I'm done spouting off stats at you. Change the atmosphere. Change the playbook. Change the way you do things. You don't have to change yourself as a person. But, my God, what happened to we've got to take risk and we've got to do this it's almost like a defeatist speech, you know. Watching AEW, and I'm going to point this out, there are some definite stuff that I've observed after watching two weeks of it and even watching their pay-per-view. Does Omega, Moxley, and Jericho, or Ann Rhodes tell all of us a story? Yes. Are they a fluke? Don't know yet. But I can point this out. Some of them, Marco Stunt, Private Party, some of them don't look like actual workers. And some say, how dare you? To be honest with you, if you saw Darby Allen on the street without his fucking gimmick on, would you believe that he was a professional wrestler? By looking at him. Certainly, you know, certainly the same thing with Adam Cole and Roderick Strong and all of them, correct? But no, when they put on the gimmick, you know, of Undisputed, the black and gold, that's the fucking difference. Is that some people look like workers. AEW, I give them credit where credit's due, but I'm also on the fence about them. Because a lot of them, a lot of the shits, just within the confines, we have WCW. The compared parallel to them, the wonderful things that they're doing, they made me fall back in love with wrestling. To me, they are just like TNA mixed with old Attitude Era. Because, yeah, we're not saturated with WWE superstars. Okay? So, what do you call Awesome Kong? Once upon a time was in WWE Jazz Once upon a time Brief time in WWE But you know what Britt Baker Hmm Omega Eh Not really But look Oh yeah and the other oversaturated part Jake Hager 
Sean Spears, Sully Blanchard at one point. Arn Anderson was a part of the creative team and also scouting an agent, you know. Cody Rhodes, Dustin Rhodes was also a part of creative and talent relations, somewhat just a little bit. Chris Jericho's the major one. It's part of bad creative, you know, taking stabs at the company is not a bad thing to some, but yeah, we the people is dead. It was just a part of a bad creative idea. I don't know, man. The dude is six foot five. He's six foot six. He's a big, tall dude. But like I said, there's a lot of compare and contrast. And I don't know how to quite put this. If you watch enough of both WWE and AEW, one definitely has intrigue. And, oh, yes, a fan's favorite hardcore because they don't get that enough on on WWE. So the question is, do you change your playbook if you're AEW? Some are shaking their heads. Actually, the majority of you are shaking your heads. No. Do you have to have guys that look like workers all the time? According to fans, nope. You have guys that look like you got pulled off the street to work a match. They're like, wow, that's coming. There's so much bullshit going on between the Young Bucks and Private Party. Who was in charge? And who was the... Is there both baby faces? Santana and Ramirez. I... The Puerto Rican Steiner brothers. I don't know if I'd go that far because those two... They look... They look so goddamn confusing. Like one guy looks like he's retarded doing the whole Rick Steiner gimmick. So it's like, damn... WCW modern day style. Cool. Okay. NXT. They even, you know, <clears throat> they're getting beat, but AEW's num- number of viewership decreased by 28%. WWE's keeps decreasing. Don't know why, but <clears throat> actually kind of do when it comes to the main roster shit. When you have a celebrity coming into your company, it's fine during WrestleMania. Is it fine during any time because you want numbers, you want to pull, you want to draw? Tyson Fury. He's not the same effect as a Mike Tyson, in my opinion. So you're going to have him go over Braun Strowman. Okay? So that creates a buzz. I mean, your company gets talked about. That crown jewel, which I don't know. The last few crown jewels have been painful. Very fucking painful to watch. <clears throat> so you say, don't watch it. <laughs> I'll catch highlights of it. Don't get me wrong on Facebook. Trust me, I will catch highlights of it. I gotta say, 
after <clears throat> watching pretty much most of the stuff that you know went on during the Monday Night Wars, does that make anyone a fucking expert? No, it just means <clears throat> you are seasoned into watching a wrestling war. Was it more intense? Probably. Because WCW had guys leaving the company, going to WWE, Chris Benoit, Perry Saturn, Raven, Eddie Guerrero. The list just keeps on piling up of people that I can just talk about for ages when it comes to the Monday Night Wars versus the Wednesday Night Wars. So, on the Wednesday Night Wars, you have Riddle, Don, Priest, Dijakovic, Keith Lee, Shirai, Baszler, Undisputed Era, Roderick Strong, Kyle O'Reilly, Bobby Fish, Adam Cole. I'm not going to do the, uh, you know, Things are picking up because, you know, the voice that people are very familiar with. So, Sense of Comfort, Jim Ross. Doofus, I mean, Excalibur. There's a few times, dude, where move names are important when you're calling it. Like, you're supposed to call the Manhattan Driver. Yikes. It's a reverse atomic drop. Gonna specify it's been that way for the longest. And the reverse cell is, you know, you're doing the uh nut shot because it's reverse atomic. Anyways. AEW's matches, I mean, it looks like a video game when they're doing the graphics, so they have everyone drawn in. They can do some pyro. Although now speaking of which, WWE brought that back. So just a fair fucking warning. I just want to point out. That. Okay. Riho Jazz. Nyla Rose. Britt Baker. So on and so forth of AEW's roster. Sorry if I'm not being fair. But okay. Moxley. Omega. Jericho, Rhodes, Rhodes, those guys, Pac, they look like workers. So do you change the playbook and start getting more to add to your 82, 84-person roster on AEW? The number looks a bit right because they've had to rotate guys in and out. Even had some dark matches, you know, for people like, okay, Seven Kiss, Killian Murphy. I'm not saying these guys and gals don't work hard. It's just, do you change your playbook? Because eventually people will be like, wait, why did a 90-pound Riho beat a 286-pound Nyla Rose? It's, 
matter of, wow, the David versus Goliath theme or smaller versus bigger and bigger, you know, didn't prevail. I just, I want, I want clarification here. Does that match make sense? Well, if you have the big person win, you're going with what WWE does. Eventually, when you worry about another company, you're not focusing on your own shit. And that's what pisses me off because it's like, okay, so you, you want to do the opposite of your competition. You want to stand out. You can stand out as much as you can, but when it comes to fucking believability in real life versus, you know, the wrestling, let's just speak on real life, shall we? If a big person gets beat up by a little person, that little person has to have some facts about them, and they have to have some very, very strong qualities. It's not believable. You know, okay, so Marco Stunt subbed in for someone... The dude is about, I don't, he's really short, but he obviously made it to a company in which, you know, believability only happens in the main event. Isn't that important? I mean, isn't that highly important? So, you know, whatever, whatever show you watch, folks, whatever show floats your fancy, Go for whatever you believe. Because now we live in a world where somebody says something on media or does something in person and then everyone gets on arms, up in arms on fucking Facebook. And I got more than 90 seconds, trust me, to explain what I'm talking about. Do you change the fucking playbook in WWE? I'll answer that question so that they can become a success. In order to please the fans, not just based off one person's opinion, but from, okay, suggesting it. Like, why would you not unleash Bailey at least a year or two ago when, in fact, fans will cheer the heels because it's a different era in professional wrestling? If she would just harness the fact that she is not in Sasha's shadow. That would help a lot. So they kept her separate from Sasha. Do you fucking hear the complaints, yo? Or do you... Or are you oblivious because complainers are not going to make any dime for you? Well, what happens when the complainers are starting to show you numbers? So you're just going to cut back more on what the fans want? It's not good business ethics, man. So, to me... The whole screw job inside hell in a cell. But what were you trying to accomplish? Like, it was a buzz, it was a subject worthy topic for us guys. Oh, fuck it. I know I have more than fucking time to, enough to tell you about the 10 second warning. There are just certain people in WWE and AEW, right? That really make a crowd pop and make them turn that cycle in their head and think, okay. Man, this guy was awesome. That guy was awesome. So, I 
now that I have like certain amount of time left, oh yeah, I got plenty of time. I would like to explain to you why I believe it's important for you to change your playbook. Because if you keep the same fucking Marty Schottenheimer type playbook, you'll get good during the season, but when the playoffs come, both the Browns and the Chiefs and the Chargers and the Redskins, it's never that, you know that phrase, Marty ball, you just keep running the ball, pounding the rock. It's good philosophy if you actually have a running back to fucking pound it. Okay? But what I'm getting at is, do you change like change the playbook or, or just keep things the same and fans more upset about the fact that Braun Strowman has never had a championship is one reason. No. It's the fact that multiple men, you know, from the NXT roster that got called up have not even whiffed the championship. Why they have to work for it? Okay, because they're not the thing that you give an opportunity to a dude who sticks his finger up his ass. They're like, well, what have you done in your personal life to make you... I was like, look, if you're giving opportunities to people that are disciplined cases, fine, go ahead. That's not the only problem. The other problem lies, you know, within giving the product a complete revamp. Please, for the love of fucking Christ, understand you respect the business, yes. But we as fans want to see something different. So every once in a while, not every fucking time, add some hardcore into this shit. Yes, it cuts into people's careers. And yes, you should save it to the fucking end of a feud. Whatever. But I've just got to point out. It really fucking irritates me that the playbook does not change on one side of the spectrum because you want things to be competitive. You don't want it to be like tonight's boring game of 37 to yeah, 6 because Flacco fucking sucks. And every Broncos fan could probably agree with me. I'm not a Broncos fan. Fuck them. But I do, however, know that it's better if you change the way you do things just a little bit will be a right step in the direction to compete with the likes of AEW. Look at what they're doing numbers-wise. They're selling out arenas. They are selling their merchandise off the racks. WWE is like, oh, I bring my kids type thing. Because the people who used to watch it back in the day when it was the Monday Night Wars are now saying shit like, oh, I could bring my kids to it. There's nothing wrong with bringing your kids to an event, but when wrestling's supposed to be violent and fucking fun, it's now turned into, okay, I guess I gotta get through three hours of this so I can report it on a fucking podcast. Now they have to constantly call on legends to be like, Hey, can you guys come down for this show so we can boost our fucking numbers because we're getting depleted? Like, it's so hard to pay attention sometimes to certain feuds. Okay, now, 
Braun Strowman's floated out of the title picture and he's going to get beat up by a fucking boxer because it'll help. It will definitely help because it's like a pocket grubber. Crown Jewel is nothing but a filler pay-per-view, which, you know, no offense. I love people from around the world and their fandom, whatever. But I do, however, have an issue with the fact that, oh, The Fiend versus uh, Seth Rollins at Crown Jewel means nothing stateside because that pay-per-view is going to be, how do I put this? It's going to be on Halloween. And watching that and just hanging out with friends in New York, like, no. I want to be able to be like, okay, so they changed their plays. They changed the way they do shit. But instead, I guess it's a kind of a wait-and-see game. I've always said that, you guys, in the past, you know, before I go, shout-out to the United Kingdom, Latvia, Indonesia, Australia, Canada, United States. How's it going? There's a lot of shit going on in this world, and wrestling's my therapy, man. Change the way you do certain things. Like, involve, when Samoa Joe gets back from injury, or when you know, it's about time the Viking Raiders won. They're a brilliant tag team, and I guess you're going to take it away because AOP is going to come back. It's just all up in the air, you know. Switch stuff up. Bring people from the NXT roster to face people from the main roster because you're going to integrate them eventually to main roster. So they can't because of taping, um, and they also can't because of NXT live scheduling. Well, just try something because Survivor Series is coming up. You have Full Gear coming up on November 9th, which is a few weeks before Survivor Series. So, and War Games. I forgot about War Games, which, you know, is still trademarked by WWE, but I'm sure, I'm sure AEW will come up with something to rip that off to. There's shit that AEW does that is very similar to WCW. Can you blame them? It's a fucking competition. I I believe the words are they're changing their stuff, you know, that needs to be fixed. It still needs to be fixed. Their matches are very unstructured, and fans like, we don't want structure. We want, you know, chaos. We want to be entertained. There's nothing wrong with wants and needs. I just have, you know, a few question marks about AEW still. And they're running now. And I said that to Granny Hulkster eons ago. I still have, you know, can they maintain their longevity? That's up to, you know, whoever's fucking in charge. I know that Cody and Chris and whomever else, Tony Khan and Omega, they all have a piece of the pie. But they're working their ass off to give the fucking crowd an entertaining wrestling show. Which is what needs to also be done on the other side instead of... You know, fuck it. Just call up Legends. Have The Rock show up. Maybe sign him to a year contract. Who fuck? He can't because of his Hollywood schedule. I know that. Damn it. Just, it would be nice to have a shakeup on a roster. Have the NXT guys and gals be the wild cards. Can you imagine... The matches that would be really cool to see, like, okay, Rhea Ripley, 
not just versus NXT people. Rhea Ripley versus Alexa Bliss. No. Let's have Rhea Ripley versus who do I know? Well, you could put Rhea Ripley versus several people. Main roster, Alexa Bliss, Nikki Cross. Bianca Belair versus Sasha Banks. Fans probably may or may not want to see it. Uh, let's see here. Um, do, 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 do. Ooh, we... Tag team division-wise, why not have Undisputed Era? Not Vert Three Profits, no, sir. How about... Mm. Undisputed Era, Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish versus Dolph Ziggler and Bobby or Robert Root. And, you know, since Gable used to be part of NXT, versus... How about Chad Gable versus... Annie Birch or Orny Larkin. I mean, there's a lot of matches that could be suggested. Just, you know, little things. That way, we can both have a competitive, you know, fucking group. Instead, you know, drop the ball and people are still bitching about it, but Selling to sell anyone, and if he wins at Crown Jewel, is it meaningless? Don't fucking look. If he wins the title at Crown Jewel, better not drop it to him the next night because there needs to be a new face. They're like, well, he's not relatable mainstream. That is the fucking problem, one of many. But I'm not gonna sit here all night and list but what you should do and shouldn't do. But you need to change some of the plays in your playbook, otherwise people are gonna be like, oh, predictability again. Because wrestling crowds are very, very hard to please. They already know everything. They they fucking worship Meltzer. And that dipshit predicted WrestleMania 34, yet what culture swears by him? Meltzer says this. Meltzer says that. Yes, good old Brian Rails does take shots. So here's the deal. I may not be as popular, but I do point out facts that when at Mania 34... Meltzer told the whole world that Braun Strowman would possibly choose Rey Mysterio as his tag partner. Asuka would win. Shinsuke would win. He did state that in an article, believe it or not. So, change the fucking plays in your playbook, man. That's all I'm going to tell you. Otherwise, you you have to release some people that are holding your company back. If you keep being stubborn and sticking with the same fuckers... Not, you're not ever going to have the million, you know, whatever mark you're looking for on ratings, how they're doing progressing wise. You killed NXT is the phrase you keep hearing. I don't think the brand itself is killed. I think that to get numbers, you have to get a big name. So if you don't have a big name or someone that you know decides to be Turncoat or Benedict Arnold, you're gonna have a hard time competing against AEW for now. Because AEW will slip up to and have their moments of why did you do this? Why did you do that? It's wrestling, man. There's bound to be criticisms any which way you go. Doesn't matter. People will nitpick. And if you 
the ever so famous saying goes, if you didn't like what good old Brian Rails had to say, then I got three choice words for you. Forget about it. Oh, and also this thing. And it ain't over till the fat lady sings. The Yankees still have a fucking prayer. And you know what? It's fine. Bring on Verlander. Because all I'm going to tell you is it's on, like Donkey Kong. Hopefully, you know, the Yanks make it. Otherwise, I'm not going to. The World Series is going to be so fucking boring. Just no offense. It will be. Because if Houston goes again, I hope they lose. I hope the Nationals beat the fuck out of them. I know that's poor sportsmanship, but yeah, no. Anyways, long-winded outro, folks. Tune in on Mondays and Wednesdays now. Tuesdays, occasional episodes if I feel like it. Nah, just Mondays and Wednesdays now. Again, Tuesdays if I feel like it. You'll never know the unpredictability. Dig it! Personality, the cultural personality.